go. What is up? We are back. A three-week hiatus cannot keep us down. It is Football Life Presents the Audible, episode 79, on this Tuesday, November 16th. And I hope you missed us, because we sure as hell missed you. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my trusted co-host, Matt Bushnell. Matt, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, back. Um, I, I know I got a lot of questions, and I want to thank all of those who sent me messages. Um, a lot of people didn't know what was going on, Randy, so... Let me just drop the 411 on everybody. My wife's grandmother passed away. Um, it was kind of sad for everyone on her side of the family. So we were down in Texas for about two weeks. Um, so she so had to spend some time with family. And like I said, I really appreciate all the well wishes, all the thoughts, all the prayers, the condolences. With all that being said, damn, it feels good to be back. Yes, it's good to have you back. And, you know, like I, I've said it before, but I was thinking about you and your family. And, you know, uh, obviously you guys are going through a tough time. And, uh, you know, it, time heals all wounds, they say, but you never really get over all the ones you lose in your life. So the best way to live uh, for those no longer here is to live life in honor of them. So we're going to continue to do the best we can with that, uh, with each and every show that we still do here. Um, I took advantage of the time to kind of catch up because I had a busy work schedule. So um, I did try to have fill in hosts, but it didn't work out for us so unfortunately that uh we couldn't do the shows but um like i said i've been pulling uh, extra work days throughout the week so honestly it was nice to have uh, a few nights to to sort of uh keep my sanity uh, not that you don't keep my sanity Matt Bushnell, but talking about football in general can, can, can you drive me nuts sometimes because this league doesn't make any sense but uh, <laughs> which we're gonna talk about all of that because boy there's a lot happened since the last time we've spoken um but Episode 79, this is the last of the offensive lineman numbers, thankfully. I mean, we finally made it through here. But 79, not the easiest number to come up with. Matt, you got one off the top of your head? I don't know. This is one of the harder ones we've had. I I don't, unfortunately. There's some Bears numbers that I kind of remember at 79, but I'm not sure if they were exactly 79. So I'm going to tap out on this one just because with all due respect – I got Ronnie Stanley, uh, the Ravens uh, tackle, uh, one of the one. better ones in the league. And I, I didn't even really realize he wore 79 until I, I looked up because I thought he did. And then I wasn't sure. And I looked it up and sure enough, he did. So, uh, all right. Well, glad to be back. Uh, it's been a few weeks. So, you know, we're in week 10 of this in the books now, Matt. It's crazy to think we're past the halfway point of the NFL season. Um, you know, the extra week gave you gave us some more time, but it still has not stopped how fast the entire season has gone by. It's kind of depressing, but we still have a lot to talk about. And let's start with primetime games is what we always do. Uh, and Monday Night Football, and I guess this is a good place to start because two of the moves that we have not yet to be talked about, uh, not been able to talk about, were made by the Los Angeles Rams. Um, they traded for Von Miller before the trade deadline a couple weeks ago, and then uh, last week they acquired Odell Beckham Jr., who was uh, released by the Rams and bought out by the uh, not the Rams bought out by the Browns, and then he signed with the Rams and he made his debut last night for the Ram uh, for the for Los Angeles. So, uh, sort of a new look situation. Robert Woods out for the Rams. Uh, they're coming off a bad loss to the Titans, and honestly, neither of the guys really made much of an impact. Odell only had ten snaps or so, saw three targets, had two catches, was on the field for the interception for Stafford at the beginning of the game uh and then i think von miller still kind of recovering from that injury so uh it was the niners who spoiled the debut of these two great players matt so before we get into the game itself what do you make of the rams with these two moves and are they ever going to make a draft pick ever again 
Oh boy, Randy, those are all very good questions because there is like rubber meeting some road right now. <laughs> I, I go back to it. If Von Miller was still producing like the old Von Miller, would have never been traded. It wouldn't have been a thought in their minds. If OBJ was still the OBJ with the Giants, he wouldn't be going on his third team right now. I think there's a lot of issues here with this Rams roster, and we talked about it. Losing Robert Woods hurts more than signing OBJ helps just because Robert Woods does all the little dirty work, you know, those 10 yard ends, those going across the middle, you know, he's capable of big plays too, but he's that possession. Like we used to talk about some possession wide receivers and you kind of think of like maybe the Sterling Sharps of the world. And then also we talk about um, Bobby Ingram, one of my favorite wide receivers from the bears and Jeff Ingram as well. Another one of my favorite wide receiver from the bears guys that really couldn't blow the top off covers, but will get you the first downs when you needed them on those third and sevens. So to me, Robert Woods, that loss is monumental. I like Cooper cup. Um, I, I know a lot of people kill me sometimes when I say, I think he's a tad bit overrated because I, I do think he is. So Von Miller has I mean, with him and Aaron Donald, he should be racking up the sacks. Mm-hmm. I don't expect much. I guess I would say because of how recently they, him and OBJ just joined the team. The next game is going to be very telling. I think that's in 12 days. I, I think they have a bye this week. Yeah. yeah. So give, give them 12 days, see how they come back. I'll judge it more then. I just, I, I, I hate the Miller trade because this team has no draft picks. They are old. They lack a lot of salary cap room. They, they still have some room where they can finagle, but we're talking some major contracts with Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, um, Von Miller. I think he's a free agent at the end of the year anyway. So he comes off the books, but Jalen Ramsey, and then um, I think OBJ is only a one-year deal as well. So it'll be interesting to see. For sure. And I, I think Von Miller is still very capable. Um, I, I The Rams are definitely <laughs> the definition of all in here. Um, this is all or nothing in the next couple of years for the Rams. And uh, the looming question is if Matt Stafford is the guy to put it all together. And, you know, he looked really good for the first you know 10 games of the season or the first eight games of the season in the last two weeks. Uh, left a little bit more to desire to be desired. But uh, last night you come into the game and you think, you know, the new Rams are going to come out and put a hurting on the division rival 49ers. And it was actually the Niners coming away with a 31 to 10 win. Um, I didn't get to watch a ton of this game, but from what I, what uh, looking at those box score and kind of seeing the highlights, it was a lot of uh, the Niners taking advantage of the Rams mistakes, uh, turnovers, fumbles, drop passes. The Niners were on top of it all. And I think in this league, you have to take advantage of mistakes to be successful and credit to the 49ers because that's what they did. This was about as clean of a game you're going to see from Jimmy Garoppolo. He had 15 to 19, 182 yards, two touchdowns. Um, They ran the ball well. They had over 150 yards on the ground. And then uh, Debo Samuel continues to have a wonderful year with five catches for 97 yards and a touch and adding 36 rushing yards of his own and a rushing touchdown. So Debo Samuel is kind of a do-it-all for the Niners right now. Um, what are some of your takeaways from this game? For me, I'm I, the Niners are right in the thick of it here in the NFC playoff picture, despite my thinking that they're not that good of a team. And the Rams, who should be one of these teams in the final four in the NFC title game, look like um, someone who's going, kind of going through it right now. So I don't know what to make of either of these. Yeah, the, the 49ers are really hard to wrap your arms around just because of who's playing the quarterback position. But we shouldn't kid ourselves here. When they're fully healthy, 
this is a dangerous football team. I mean, they're good defensively. That they have a good philosophy of running the football. And when they tell Jimmy G not to throw the football, usually they do okay if they don't have to play from behind. The Rams are built in a way to me where you take a look in this division, you have Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Then you have Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and you have Jimmy G and the 49ers, which I chuckle. And then you get Stafford and the Rams. Um, this defense is built to play with the lead. That's how they built up the Rams defense. The 49ers defense is built to punch you in the mouth and keep on punching you in the mouth. They won't stop punching you in the mouth until you tap out. Now we could argue that maybe that bears game, they looked like shit. And then somehow all of a sudden something switched in them. And then the 49ers came alive. And, and that was a game we didn't get to review. And, you know, some people want to say the Steelers game for the bears was the breakout, but we'll talk about Justin Fields a little bit later because I got a lot to say about him. But to, to me right now, the 49ers should be the six or seven seed in the playoffs. I think they're that quality of a football team where they can get into the playoffs, maybe even possibly win a game, upset the two or three seed, depending on who they get. Um, it'll be interesting. And my secret matchup, Randy, is I would love to see a 49ers-Cowboys playoff game. That would be one hell of a matchup, but I think you're on something with that. Two classic teams, too. Uh, the, the Niners wore the uniforms they had last night, give you a little throwback look. Yeah. I mean, that could really be money for the NFL. That would be awesome. So um, I'm just going to give records now, too, because we haven't been here for a few weeks. I know people are catching up with this, but just for my own sanity as well. So the Niners now four and five. Uh, the Rams now seven and three. So both these teams very much in the playoff picture in the NFC. I still think the Rams in the end will figure it out. I trust McVay to make this work, but I do agree that the Robert Woods injury is bigger than most people are talking about because that possession receiver is very valuable um, and Cup has been remarkable. I, I know you're not a cup guy but he has been so good this year um he's been really good honestly his whole career if he's not hurt uh which is also you know a criticism in itself so um i trust mcveigh to make it work and the odell excuses are already starting for the rams which is hilarious but the guy's been there for a day he's not his fault that they lost to the to uh the niners or uh the the titans for that matter yeah and and i'll say a couple of things because i i think obj is fine I, i don't have an issue with obj I think if you put him around a good quality team and, you know, he understands that he's part of the offense, he's not the offense. I I think if you're just honest and upfront with him, I think that goes a long way to me though. I think Stafford's actually going to be the problem for this team, Randy, because I go back to the Detroit years. I mean, as a bears fan, I've seen a lot of Stafford Stafford on the road versus teams with winning records. He's five and 42 career. And I, I know he's with the Lions. And this is where the rubber meets the road to me for the Rams. And we talked about it, kind of alluded to it. All those draft picks are gone. And no help is coming. This is the roster, for better or for worse. This is what you have. Keep in mind, the Broncos are paying $9 million towards Von Miller's salary. The Rams are only paying 700000 So they get a little bit of cushion. That's how they could add them. But that's how they got the second-round pick. To me, Stafford can't go back to those Detroit years or even that because I question if he's that good of a quarterback we talk about is it a quarterback that can will his team to win or is it a quarterback that needs a good team around him to win Stafford now has a good team around him to win I don't know 
I, obviously it's a, it's a huge upgrade over Jared Goff and, and I don't want to, you know, minimize that. I mean, it's night and day difference, but to me, when we're talking about the elite football teams and, and I know McVay somehow pulled a rabbit out of his ass and got, you know, Jared Goff to a Super Bowl, but now there's better teams. Tom Brady's in the NFC. Now mm-hmm. Dak Prescott's playing at an MVP level. Kyler Murray has arrived. Aaron Rodgers in that Green Bay Packers defense is for real. Now it's time to show up. It's big time now. Yeah, that's a fair uh, concern because I think a lot of people are, are, are wondering if Matt Stafford is the guy who can actually get it done in the postseason because he hasn't. There's not a ton of to evaluate. I think he only had two playoff games with the Lions. So um, we're going to find out now. Pressure's going to be on. They don't, they don't have a ton of time. They have a short window here to make it work. So we're going to find out sooner than later. Uh, and I, I think the Rams have an overall enough top-end talent to get them far enough. I think yeah. Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, um, and I, I think the world of Cooper Cup, and I'm still a big fan of OBJ. I know he's not the same guy, but I, I do think you know McVeigh is one of the best coaches in the league, and he'll yeah. be able to, to figure it out. So yeah. I expect the Rams to be playing for a chance at the Super Bowl uh, at the very least uh, yeah. in the NFC. So we'll see. Uh, all right, we're going to move on to Sunday night football now. And Matt, you know, while we were gone, there's a bit of an <laughs> existential crisis going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if they're good. They're getting dominated here and there. They barely beat the Giants. Uh, they barely beat the Packers with uh, Jordan Love starting a quarterback. Um, and then we're like, oh, the sky is falling on the Chiefs. And um, look, there's a, a saying I say often. It's about it's called a get right game. And I, I've said that about the Chiefs a few times this season. And I thought they've had a few. Uh, this truly looked like the Chiefs of old and the old Patrick Mahomes uh, and they won against the Raiders 41 to 14 and Pat Mahomes looked like it was on himself in particular Mm -hmm. 35 of 50 400 yards passing and five touchdowns uh, and as good as the Chiefs looked the Raiders appeared to be free falling uh, and the fallout of the John Gruden situation and more recently the Henry Ruggs uh, tragedy that happened out there in Las Vegas which I don't think we've talked about but I don't necessarily think it's worth revisiting honestly if you know what happened you know what happened but yep. uh, his presence not being there has clearly made an impact on the offense. And I think overall, when someone goes through that, it has an effect on you as a person. So I think the Raiders are going through a bunch of stuff right now and you're seeing it on the football field. Yeah. The, the Raiders look, I, I, I think you only take so many body blows in a season, you know, there's only so many things that you can withstand. The John Gruden thing was ugly and messy, but we could argue that Derek Carr was playing some of his best football under John Gruden. Mm -hmm. So when those emails come out, you know, it creates kind of a controversy and a divide in the locker room. Did John Gruden need to go? Absolutely. I I don't think we can argue that because in that locker room, you can't be a leader of men when those things that you've said as recently as 2019, I believe now that he said these things. So it's just like, John... Not a good look, my friend. And then the Henry Rugg situation. And, and this one's heartbreaking because you see a guy that, you know, his friend, childhood friend died in a very similar fashion. And he's out and he's drinking with his fiance or girlfriend. I'm not sure what the status of that relationship was, but they were at Top Golf, golfing, drinking. And then he gets behind the wheel. And I can only implore people enough. I, it's a different time, you know, way back in the eighties and nineties and even the early two thousands, you know, we didn't have Uber. We didn't have Lyft. We didn't have all these resources. We had yellow cab so or the bus. You could always take the bus, 
but you know, with all these resources and being a professional football player, this is really kind of inexcusable. And it showed on the Raiders. Like, it just feels like it just wore on them. But I'm not going to take away credit from the Kansas City Chiefs because the one thing I noticed from them, Randy, was that they came back and they were physical. I I, I sensed some physicality in them Sunday night where, you know, they really – are using Williams now as a primary back and Williams has given them the opportunity to even throw it out of the backfield and even throw kind of just a miraculous touchdown pass. I mean, he might be their number two wide receiver. (laughs) It was that good. So to me, I, I'm going to say it. You're going to see Allen Mahomes, you know, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, you know, I, I think those teams with those quarterbacks, you know, maybe Joe Burrow, if the Bengals can kind of right this ship, they're kind of going through some things right now. Um, you know, maybe we're talking, uh, God, I, I don't even know in the AFC South, Ryan Tannehill, maybe, but I think the four big names, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, and Jackson, I think those guys are going to be in the end. I, I think the best teams in the AFC are led by the chiefs still, because right now the chiefs, I believe are six and four. That's correct. And they are not that far off of being the number one seed in the AFC. So, you know, they're right in the thick of it. The Ravens are six and three. Um, Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. The Titans are eight and two. So the Titans are the top seed right now. Okay. So, yeah, Kansas City can nab the two seed, which I might think is better for them. I I think they'd be better off with the number two. But the Raiders are free falling. I I don't know where they go from here. I think you're going to see an organizational facelift at the end of the year for the Raiders, but the chiefs are back, baby. They got the groove back. Did you see the thing on the Raiders that the, their first pit, their, their last two drafts, how many players that they still have on their team? That graphic I saw, it was pretty alarming. And they just released Damon Arnett too, who was a first round pick, uh, I believe in 2020. Oh yeah. Um, Holy Lord. I mean, uh, that between Gruden and Mayock, like they need a whole new just restructuring of everything. They, they need to blow it all up out there in Vegas. And you want to know something? The only player left on the Raiders from the Khalil Mack trade is Josh Jacobs. It's not Cleveland Farrell anymore. He's not there. He, I, I read that he was. I'm not sure if they took him with the Bears pick. I think they took Josh Jacobs with uh. the Bears pick. You might be right about that. Yeah, I, I yeah, because they took Cleveland Farrell at four overall, which I think there was their own pick. Yeah, um, and he hasn't really turned out well either. But yeah, uh, the Chiefs. I, I, you know, the thing I believe we talked about in our little group chat there. But uh, the the famous Randy of all time, in my opinion, Macho Man Randy Savage once said, "The cream, the cream rises to the top." Yeah, and uh, that's what's happening going to happen here in the AFC. At least that's what I believe. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go back to Thursday night football. Oh, and God. This was a stunner. <laughs> uh, upset City down in Miami, the Dolphins uh, beating the Ravens. This should have been the Ravens locking up the two seed. Yeah. Lamar running away with his MVP. I think he, he still you know could win his second MVP, but this could have really helped him here. Uh, but this the, the Dolphins defense really did him no favors because they showed up and they played really well in the Dolphins 22 to 10 victory. Um, boy, I did not see this coming. Jacoby Brissett started the game for the Dolphins, gets hurt, insert an injured Tua Tagovailoa, who um, was injured coming in, wasn't healthy enough to start, but could fill in in a reliever role. And that's exactly what happened. He actually played pretty well, uh, 8 of 13 for 158 yards. But uh, it's the defense 
that won this game for the Dolphins here. And Lamar Jackson, um, you know, 26-43, 238 in a touch and a pick and only 39 yards on the ground. Honestly, I, I didn't get to watch a ton of this game, and it's so far removed, but um, the Dolphins still have talent on the defense, especially in the secondary. So I'm not shocked that this is the, this um, that they're capable of doing this. It's just they weren't playing too well coming into this game. So that's really what surprised me, especially the Ravens coming off of a bye. Actually, they were coming off of my eye But anyway. <laughs> no, they're not, but they will be soon enough. Um, man, it's rough sledding for the Ravens in this game. You know, what you saw was that the Dolphins just like, we're going to blitz the hell out of you. And, you know, if you beat us through the air, you beat us through the air, but we're just going to blitz you and not give you any time. And we saw it was effective. Um, I'm not sure if every team can do this against the Ravens, but it definitely opens up some possibilities where teams are going to start taking their shots now and be like, okay, how can we beat this football team? Do we blitz? Do we go all out? Or do we let Lamar Jackson run around and make us look stupid? Um, obviously, the thing with the blitz is if you pick out the hole in the blitz and you connect, it's probably going to be a long game. So to me, the Ravens have some things they have to clean up. Is Are, are you going to set up an offense where you can beat the blitz and now you have to expect it because lately they've been facing a lot of zone because if you, when you play back in zone, you can spy Lamar a little bit easier or, you know, variation of zone and man, but it lets you keep Lamar more in the pocket, but Lamar was able to throw the football, you know, to the open guys quite often. Now, when you blitz, it gives Lamar less time. It speeds up that clock and he has to figure, do I need to run or do I need to pass? And I think what we saw Thursday night, Randy, was Lamar getting stuck in between decisions. Mm -hmm. He didn't know whether to run. He didn't know whether to pass. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do think Lamar has gotten a lot better this year, but I do think it was one of these games where he kind of got stuck uh, in his old ways. And like you said, he, he couldn't, you know, be decisive, uh, you know, quickly enough to make that work. I, I did like what I saw from Rashad Bateman in this game, the first round receiver that they have uh, had been injured for the first, you know, six weeks of the season. He had six for 80. So he could add a nice little compliment to that offense if they get clicking. Um, but yeah, the Dolphins uh, improved to three and seven and the Ravens dropped to six and three in this game. But the highlight of this game ended up being a play that did not count. Uh, I, I knew it was kind of made a mockery on, on, on Twitter. And, uh, but it, Robert Hunt, the uh, offensive lineman for the Dolphins, kind of blew up a screen pass. He didn't really do his job. So he didn't block the guy in time. But he, so uh, I believe it was Tua threw it in his general direction. And he acted like the play was designed for him. He catches the ball, turns up field, and makes one of the more athletic plays you'll ever see by an offensive lineman. He gets kind of undercut and as he's flipping in the air reaches the ball over the plane like it was amazing play it really was but uh obviously there's a penalty there for illegal man downfield illegal touching or whatever it was um but still an entertaining uh, play for a thursday night game nonetheless robert hunt uh probably known as a hero for all of current former and future offensive linemen think about this thursday night and monday night we missed two if they would have stood you know we missed butception and we mm. missed an offensive lineman. What would they call it? Uh, Derek Hungry or something like that? I yes. forgot, I forgot <laughs> what Twitter was going around. But, you know, two things we could have had in our lives, and it was taken away from us. 
Uh, why does the NFL hate us? They don't want us to, to enjoy life. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, good for Robert Hunt. He'll always have that screenshot of him reaching the ball over the plane. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be blown up in his man cave for the rest of his life. All right. Um, we're going to transition into uh, week 11 previews. But as we go, we're going to talk about how we did teams did in the last week and then uh, go on from there. And obviously, like this is a little bit of a, a harder schedule, a harder segment to pull off considering we haven't done a show in a few weeks. So um, I'm certainly rusty. I thought the Ravens are coming off of a bye week but that was the week before so i am still uh knocking the cobwebs off here all right we're gonna start though with thursday night football this week and it is uh, a rematch i believe it's the first time since super bowl 51 the infamous 28 to 3 game the patriots at the falcons here and uh matt i think the last since the last time we spoke um the new england patriots are going scorched earth on us and all of a sudden they're relevant in the afc and they're probably heading towards the afc playoffs which uh i'm not certainly a fan of but good god (laughs) good for the patriots but i think the rest of us were kind of hoping that that would not happen um so they're looking good they just shellacked the browns uh i believe that was a 42 to 7 game there i mean they really put it on them and then the falcons uh, had a big win in new orleans the week prior but then go into dallas and thinking they had a chance against them and they got smoked on their own they lost I believe it was like 43 to three, but my God, this, uh, these teams do kind of feel like they're going in opposite directions and new England wins this game. I feel like they are just about of a lock to make the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to win the division. Cause I think that's still a steep hurdle to climb, but the, a wild card spot is certainly for the taking for them and Atlanta. They're still in the playoff hunt too, but they are going to be falling fast if they, if they drop this one as well. So uh, what do you make of the Patriots against the Falcons? I, boy, I don't want to make profound statements because I think coming off a Thursday or coming off a Sunday game, going on to Thursday, Falcons got embarrassed. I mean, just flat out embarrassed, made fun of. And I think this will test Arthur Smith's medal as a head coach. But when we take a look at the Patriots, I, I, I think, you know, we start with Mac Jones. Let, let's just go here right now. A, a lot was made about this quarterback class. And I, to me, I didn't like any of the quarterbacks past Trevor Lawrence. Um, I thought Mac Jones, if he went to the right system, would be highly successful. And I'll say this. I think if Mac Jones goes to San Francisco, he's not as successful. I think he would have been okay. But to me, Mac Jones went to the best situation that he could have. I I mean, it doesn't matter what the Patriots pick. I think if they would have picked Mac Jones first, he still, I mean, it'd still be like this kid is the good, you know, it's a perfect spot for him. I don't think the Patriots needed Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or, you know, any of the other quarterbacks. Mac Jones is playing some of his best football that I, I've seen. He's quick. He's decisive. He's reading the defense. He, he can manipulate the safeties with his eyes, which is really advanced for a quarterback. But you take a look, he came from Alabama. And a lot of people want to say, well, you know, he had two first-round picks at wide receiver or three or whatever, and, you know, me being included in that company. Mm-hmm. So Mac Jones is really – I think he's done a good job. I don't want to say the Patriots are – you know, the only team that could have done this with Mac Jones, but I'm going to say it, they're the only team that could have done this with Mac Jones. So with that being said, the Falcons roll into here and Randy, I'm surprised. Like I looked at their record and I was like four and five. I did not mm-hmm. see that coming with a team that is without Calvin Ridley, um, traded Julio Jones. Matt Ryan is playing some of his worst football of his career by far. 
Um, and offensively, they don't have much outside of Kyle Pitts. And I, I don't think Kyle Pitts is putting up big numbers. So I, like, I'm just shocked how they get these wins because everything on paper tells you Atlanta shouldn't have four wins right now when you take a look at their roster. But it's the NFL. Things are close. To me, the Patriots are going to be a playoff team. I, I think they're that five, six, or seven seed. I'd probably mm-hmm. bet they're the sixth seed because um, that fifth seed's probably, if you believe in the Chargers, Mm. you would think maybe they can nab it or you know the Steelers are in that conversation or the Bengals which they're fading fast AFC's wide open it's a big mess right now (laughs) yes it is it is a huge mess but the one thing the Patriots aren't going to beat the Bills you know Josh Allen I think is the real deal for Buffalo but I'm going to take the Patriots here Randy I, I think the history and what they're doing is speaking for itself I think Mac Jones will be able to manipulate the Falcons defense and be able to read it. I think it's going to be closer than what some people want to think. I think the Falcons are going to come back, you know, tighten things up defensively, but I'm going to go with the Patriots 22 to 17. All right. Uh, Yeah. So Patriots coming off 45 to seven win over Cleveland. They're six and four and the Falcons coming off of a 43 to three loss over uh, Dallas. They are four and five. Um, Look, I think you've touched on a lot of the issues I have with the Falcons, that their best receiver is currently on a mental health break from football. We have no idea when he's going to be back, if he will be back at all. Um, I like Pitts. I like Gage. I like Zacchaeus, believe it or not. Um, but I just think the Falcons are kind of overachieving with the, when they're what the, based on what their record says. Um, as far as Mac Jones go, we talk about it all the time. Situation is everything in the NFL. If Pat Mahomes gets drafted by the Jaguars, are we talking about Patrick Mahomes being the best quarterback ever? No. Um, it helps Patrick Mahomes a bit that he got drafted to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and uh, it, it certainly helps Mac Jones that he's with the Patriots. With that said, I do think he would have had success with the, the Niners. I think a lot of us yeah. believe Kyle Shanahan's a good coach and a run first offense. I think he would have been fine. Um, but having Bill Belichick as your coach, um, you know, is not a bad thing for anybody. Uh, I do like the Patriots in this game. It's crazy that, I, that they're going to be seven and four now <laughs> on the season. And uh, it's just, you know, not right. We should have been able to, uh, gotcha spared us of the Patriots for a few seasons, but that's not going to happen apparently until Bill, Bill Belichick is gone. So I like the Pats uh, 26 to 14 over the Falcons. All right, let's go on to Sunday in the early games at one o'clock window here in the eastern part of the country. And where you are, Matt, you get what, 11 o'clock starts? Is that what it is? Yep, it's 11 o'clock now, baby. Because in the time we've been gone, daylight saving time also took effect, except in your state of Arizona. So, dirty word. (laughs) <laughs> well it's pitch black here and it's freezing so i'd rather be where you're at so uh just for the record it's only 73 degrees here right now only you poor thing yeah. all right we're gonna start at one o'clock uh eastern time on sunday it's the indianapolis colts traveling to western new york to play the buffalo bills uh the colts uh let me double check because i want to make sure i have my week right but they're coming off of a win over the titans or not the titans the jaguars i should say yeah. uh the divisional game they are 500 at five and five and the Bills coming off of a beatdown of the the Jets here. That was a nice get-right game for them after they lost to the Jags the week before. Good God, Buffalo, what are you doing? Uh, but Buffalo is 6-3, top of the uh, – 
the uh, AFC East. They need to keep winning because, as we just talked about, the Patriots are breathing right down their neck. So I like this matchup. This is also a rematch of the AFC wildcard game that featured Philip Rivers, as we remember, over there in Western New York, too, in Orchard Park. Uh, I like this game. I think this is going to be a competitive football game, but I do think Buffalo pulls it out in the end. What do you think, Matt? Didn't the Colts start off like 0-3? Yes. Okay. So in their last seven games, they're 5-2. and two. Nothing to sneeze at there for the Colts. I thought they and they, played. And they should have won those two games. Yeah, yeah. They, they should have. So, I mean, it's a good indication that the Colts are a good football team. I, I don't think they're a bad football team. I don't think they're even a 500 football team. I think they're a better than 500 football mm-hmm. team. The Bills, I, I don't know. You know, it's it feels like you watch a different team every week. I expected them to bludgeon the Dolphins, and they played the Dolphins, what was it, 9-6? to six? Um if, if I'm getting my games right here, uh, I think they that lost was... to Jacksonville nine six. Okay, so they lost to Jacksonville. Okay, that was probably the game I thought about was real ugly. And then then they come back and you know they beat the lowly Jets, which we'll talk about the Jets later. Well, they also um, had that game against the Dolphins at home that was three three going into the second half. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. There we go. That's the game I'm thinking about too. So the Bills are, are very Jekyll and Hyde-ish to me. I don't love what I'm seeing from them football wise, but I think it's one of those teams that kind of been there, done that, and they can turn it on, but the Colts are not the team to do that right now. The Colts are playing for their lives, literally for their playoff lives here. If they're going to get that seventh wild card, they got to start stacking wins and they've started doing that. I like the upset here, Randy. I'm going to take the Colts to win in Buffalo Mm. revenge from the playoff game. Because these two teams played in Orchard Park last year, I believe, in the mm-hmm. playoffs. So the Colts get their revenge. It's going to be a close game. I worry about the Bills' offense against a good defense, and I think the Colts have a good defense. Give me the Colts. Let's go 20-18. to 18. All right. That would be an interesting score. I don't know what the deal is with the Bills. Their offense – should be more high powered than it is. Obviously, they got uh, they played really well against the Jets, but the Jets ranked dead last in just about every defensive category there is. Um, so I, you know, I don't I don't want to take that with a grain of salt. So um, Buffalo is weird. Uh, Josh Allen's had some stinkers. They don't run the ball consistently. They they struggle to get Diggs involved. I, I don't understand that part because he was such a you know a pivotal part of the offense last year, and you know this year he's kind of forgotten about. Emmanuel um, Sanders is having a good year, maybe. Maybe Dawson Knox is the thing that'll get them going again. He just came back from his injury. Maybe that'll be the thing that gets the Bills offense rolling once again. I like Buffalo in this game, but I do think it's a close one. Give me the Bills 27 to 24 over the Colts. Yeah, that one's going to hurt. Yes, I think that's going to be a good one. All right, uh, we're going to move on now to uh, the Lions at the Browns. And <laughs> these two teams, let me tell you, if, if you could think of two of the, the teams. And obviously, these are the only two teams that go winless for an entire season. Um, they are considered to be, you know, laughing stocks of the league. I don't want to put them that down. I mean, the Browns are five and five, uh, even though they just got beat down by the Patriots, uh, they're still 500. And I still think the Browns have an opportunity to, to get right, um, down the season. I don't know how serious the Baker Mayfield injury is. Um, but I have thoughts on Baker Mayfield for another time, maybe. Um, but, uh, the Lions, we got to talk about the Detroit Lions, Matt Bushnell, because we have a show and the Detroit Lions did not lose a football game. I think you like that. That deserves a little love here. Not really, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> they did not lose. They also did not win. The Lions coming off of a tie against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Mason Rudolph led Pittsburgh Steelers 
the Lions lined up for a game-winning field goal with four minutes left in overtime, and I believe it's Ryan Santoso was the kicker, made one of the saddest steps of a field goal I've ever seen, and you could see it in his face beforehand. You you could tell he wanted to be anywhere else but right there in that moment in time. Uh, so poor Lions. I think Dan Campbell is just going to end up going on a giant murder spree of everyone, especially Jared Goff. I think he is number one target. Um, but hey, the Lions can't go 0-17 now. They can go 0-16-1, which would be very Detroit Lions. Uh, and you know, the Browns, I don't know what the Baker men of the Baker Mayfield injury is lingering. Um, the, they had Nick Chubb last week. He was on the COVID-19 list. No more OBJ, which I thought was supposed to be the elixir for the Browns. And they're now just supposed to be a well-oiled machine. Uh, oh, that's not how football works. I forgot. You can't just blame all your culture problems on one person. I thought we learned that from the New York giants, but anyway, um, I, I think the Browns will, uh, you know, sort of right the ship here, uh, against the lonely lions. Matt, what do you think? Ooh, the Lions, not good enough to win a game and not good enough to go winless. Um, look, I, I, I just want to offer some just perspective on this. I saw a lot of people celebrating a tie. Like, that's a good thing. Like, is, Steelers is it, fans were not doing that. No, no, Steelers fans were heated. Um, but really, honestly, it's poetic justice for that shitty team because they I – mean, nice to see the Steelers – Get a little assist from the referees. You know what? Not even a little assist, a big assist. Because, Randy, if you watched that Monday night football game like I did, I could not believe the shit that I was watching. Like, normally, I I think you have opportunities to win the game at certain points. But what the refs did in that game basically said, we want the Steelers to win at any cost necessary. But we saw the Steelers again going to play at home again against the Detroit Lions, the sadly hapless Detroit Lions. Jared Goff. The Jared Goff-led Lions, and they could not beat them. And ties suck. Could could you imagine if the Lions, and and I'm going to caveat this when I get done saying it here, but could you imagine the Texans go 1-16 and and the Lions go 1-15-1 and and lose out on that first overall pick because of the tie, Ooh. that would be a kick in the old breadbasket, my friend. I think we'd have to put a little spotlight on Leon, our friend Leon Tompkins if that happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, like of all the things, ties just screw you over in so many different ways. At the end of the day, though, this would be like one of the worst years to have like the number one overall pick if you're Houston yeah. or if you're Detroit because there's not really a quarterback in this draft class that you're like, man, that's the guy. Right. You know, there, there is no Trevor Lawrence. There is no Mac Jones. There is no Justin Fields. I, I mean, you could find a guy like Zach Wilson who's going to turn over the ball at every time he gets a chance to. I mean, those guys are a dime a dozen here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to take a poor Jets shot there. But, <laughs> but um, you know, at, at the end of the day, the Lions are scrappy. They, they play you tough a, a lot of games. And I know people think that they're going to beat the Bears or they're going to beat this team or they're going to beat that team. Look, I don't think the talent is that far off for the Brown or for the Lions. They could have beat Baltimore. Some argue that they should have beat Baltimore if it wasn't for that record-setting 66-yard field goal by Justin, you know, Megalek Tucker for Baltimore, <laughs> which was amazing. You know, they could have beat the Steelers. Those are two good football teams overall. You know, I don't, I don't want to say they're great, but they're good. 
They should beat the Vikings that they had that game won. Yeah. So so we can look back at the Lions and say they, they should have three wins. And you know what? You, you mess around with the Lions. You go in there thinking this is a win. And after I saw that performance by the Browns yesterday, and I'm sorry, Corey Richman, I – I, I I wanted better for the Browns. I expected better. I think the Lions are going to win this game, Randy. Wow. I think they are going to win this football game. And I'm going to say they're going to win it by running the football. And they're going to run for another 200 yards this week. Wow. So give me the Lions 24 to the Browns 23. Holy moly. Um I think the Patriots had a really great game plan to go against the Browns defense. The Browns defense is also one that plays much better with a lead. I think most defenses are, but I think them in particular. Um, But then Belichick, what he did is that he continued to run misdirections and screens and, uh, you know, run their offense off of Miles Garrett, whatever he did. And I think that was so smart. I don't think a lot of teams do that. Uh, I think they're afraid. I think Miles Garrett also had a chance to kill Mac Jones on a few plays. But uh, (laughs) nonetheless, they really had a great game plan going in. And I don't know if the Lions are smart enough to watch the tape, see what worked and apply that to their own offense. I don't know if they're smart enough to that for that. And um, regardless of how anyone feels about Mac Jones, he is still much better than Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff in that game against the Steelers was awful. He still was like just terrible. They ran the ball so well. And that's the reason that they were in this game. And the fact that they haven't played against Mason Rudolph, who also is awful. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go Browns. I think I didn't make, I expect Nick Chubb to be back. Um, there's a chance maybe Kareem Hunt could be back in this game. He's missed about a month now. So uh, I like the Browns. I like them big. Look, I, the probably most frustrating part about the Browns is that they need, they need a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. And I know Odell Beckham Jr. is not the same guy as he used to be, but they need a guy on the outside who can make plays. Uh, Jarvis Landry is a possession receiver. He's still really good at that, but he's still a possession receiver. Donovan Peoples-Jones I like, but he's not going to be able to do that on a consistent basis. They have good tight ends. They are missing a guy who can blow the roof off of the defense, and they just let him go. And for whatever reason, him and, him and Baker didn't get along. I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, but nonetheless, I don't know if like the Browns are going to be able to reach that peak ceiling point with the, the roster currently constructed. And I think there's real Baker Mayfield issues. I like Baker. I think he's tough. I think he's playing through a real serious injury right now, but I'm not sure he's a guy who can help you win a championship. And, uh, you know, we'll see how the Browns do the rest of the season. Uh, I, I trust the coaching staff and all that stuff, but um, we'll see. But I, 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 for the time being, the Browns are good enough to beat the Lions in this spot, and I expect them to do so. Give me the Browns, uh, 24 to the Lions, 16. Let me ask you this question. Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield? I mean, Jimmy G went to a Super Bowl, you know. I mean, <laughs> I think of all, everything was perfect. Jimmy G could still make it work, um, and we've seen that happen. Can, wow. can Baker Mayfield really make that work? We, we've seen it kind of go south for Baker already so far. So uh, I have to say I would take Jimmy G. I think he's more coachable. Um, and I, I think Baker has more talent. I think he has a better arm. But as far as not making mistakes, maybe sometimes you just need a game manager and let the rest of the things take take place. And, yeah. you know, Baker has shown that he, uh, you know, is going is to make mistakes regardless. So what about well, you? What do, who would you say? I, I There's different aspects. I think Baker's tougher. I think he, he's going to go through injuries. I'm not sure if Jimmy Garoppolo has that toughness, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo plays the quarterback position better than Baker Mayfield does. 
so it's really availability versus ability on this one and it's just like <laughs> i honestly randy i don't know which way to go i think it's funny because I, I i had this list in my head all day today i was thinking about it like who are the best quarterbacks in the nfl and i think we could get to one to five pretty easily i think that stacks up nice and neatly that are currently playing because i put watson out of it but this centered around the Baker Mayfield situation. I'm like, where does Baker make Mayfield rank in the NFL as far as quarterbacks go? And I went through about 14, 15 names, and I'm like, man, Baker just kind of feels right here, somewhere between 16 and 18, I feel. Yeah. And that's not good enough for the Browns. To be the number one overall pick, it's just not good enough. No. And, you know, there's a guy in that – there's two guys in that draft that are, you know, in the top ten, if not in the top five. So, mm-hmm. um it's, it's a tough spot, you know, and Cleveland still is a good team too. So it says a lot about the rest of the, the organization. So, yeah. Um, okay. We're going to move on now to uh, another kind of stinky divisional game here, but uh, it's the Texans <laughs> coming off of a bye week and they're still just at one win here uh, traveling to Tennessee yeah. to play the number one seeded AFC in the AFC Tennessee Titans uh, at eight and two. And they are coming off of a win over the saints, 23, 21. And there's some weird voodoo magic Vegas did with that game because that spread was two and a half. And they, of course, the result was two. So whatever, I don't know how they know this stuff, but I was like, how the hell? And <laughs> sure enough, it was like that in the end. But um, look, the Titans have played really good football. They went on a stretch where they won five straight games against a 2020 playoff teams and those same teams are expected to make the playoffs again this year so uh this is also with julio jones is on the injured reserve derrick henry is hurt uh aj brown continues to be in and out of the lineup this is ryan Tannehill with um (laughs) the the jeremy mcnichols and adrian peterson backfield um with anthony ferkser and some cast offs at the wide receiver position but honestly it is led by the defense and uh, Mike Frabel actually, you know, brought it off on these guys now. Look at that. I mean, I, I was waiting for Mike Frabel to be a defensive coach because he, he was a good linebacker in his own right back in yep. the day. And now he's coaching like it. Uh, and the Titans, they're one of these teams that remind me of the old Giants where when they're hot, they're hot and they're very hard to beat. And right now they look like a team that's going to be hard to beat. And I expect this, I expect them to roll over the Texans in this one. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I'm not sure how much time I want to spend on it because I think Tennessee is good enough to win this game with all those injuries. It's kind of like a persuado bye week for them because the Texans <laughs> are so bad. Um, you know, it goes back. Tyrod Taylor, if he comes back, when he comes back, I think he came back last week. I'm not sure. He, he came back in that Dolphins game. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. And it's kind of like, okay, where's the Tyrod Taylor from week one? This ain't the guy. So now we talk about Tennessee. They're playing really strong defensively because they have to now. And they're relying on Tannehill to make timely throws in the running game to, you know, ground and pound. Granted, no one's Derrick Henry right now. And he's out with the broken foot for the rest of the year. So to me, it's still the Titans in this game. The Texans are just so bad. There's nothing that inspires me. You know, I needed fantasy wide receivers, Randy, because, oh, my gosh, I have Julio Jones. He's on the IR. I got, I got a bunch of other guys that just are, you know, Calvin Ridley, who's God knows when he's coming back. Like, my mm-hmm. wide receiver position is just a mess right now. So I look at this, and I'm like, okay, where are the wide receivers? So I get to the Texans. 
it's a whole lot of bad. It's there's nothing really there that you even want on fantasy. Even if the guy to get the number one targets, you don't want him. So the moral of the story is Titans are going to roll. I give me the Titans twenty four to the Texans three. I just it's this team can't score points. Look, I think you have Brandon Cooks in fantasy. He's always worth the flex because he just <sighs> is the only target guy worth a damn on the Texans. But, yeah, uh, it is – it's not going well for them. It wouldn't shock me if they lost out. They're going to be a top two picking team uh, in, in my mind, and we'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson in the offseason. But uh, this game's going to be blow up. We don't need to talk about it much more. So, yeah, I think it's going to be Tennessee. I think I like your score there. I'm going to go uh, 23-6. Uh, this will give them an extra field goal. Uh, okay. We're moving on now to an AFC East matchup of poop teams. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be the Dolphins, who we already spoke about. So the Dolphins 3-7 and seven now, winning two straight weeks, I believe. Uh, maybe two of the last three, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, 3-7, and seven, and they travel to MetLife Stadium to play the Jets. And um, look, while we were gone, Matt, a whole new quarterback emerged among all of us, and his name was Mike White. And he uh, did an amazing job in ruining my survivor pool and he, his performance against the Cincinnati Bengals a few weeks back. And then he played well for a drive or two against the Colts on Thursday night football the week after that, then got hurt uh, and then returned for this game here uh, against the Bills. And he looked like a pumpkin. He <laughs> went back to, you know, he's still Mike White. He's, you know, a career backup uh, who wasn't, uh, I believe he wasn't drafted. Maybe he was, um, but nonetheless, Came into that game against Buffalo with high expectations of himself. He had said he thought he should have been the number one pick of the draft. Look, I'm all for confidence. I'm all for believing in yourself, but maybe a little humility goes a long way as well. So the but the Bills just just boat race, steamroll, steam clown, whatever word you want to use, the Jets. The Jets defensively are – Absolute mess. Uh, I, I expected more from a Robert Salah coach team, considering how good he was on that side of the ball for the 49ers. Um, and now you're look, it's looking like you're going to get Zach Wilson back in the lineup for the Jets after missing a few weeks in the starting lineup for them. I kind of like the Dolphins in this game, to be honest. I think that they're sneakily becoming more relevant. I think we both expected them to become uh, to be you know solid in, this year, and it hasn't worked out well for them, but. Um, the Jets are just a mess, and I, I feel bad for our friend, our, our Jets fan friends, especially Jacob, um, one of my friends, Mike, a huge Jets fan. But, um, look, they are in a bad spot right now, and I think they have a long way to go to become consistently competitive, and uh, the Dolphins here are, uh, are further along in that process than they are. Man, you take a look at this game, and you can see a lot of bad and some good here. To me, the Dolphins are trending upwards. I like what I saw from Tua. Like, it was the first time I saw a guy that had some statistical fortitude, if you will. <laughs> uh, he had some guts. He, pl he played the quarterback position the way I thought he could and why I thought he was one of the best quarterbacks coming out of the draft. I thought he played really well. Um, still, I need to see more. I, I, I you know – you could ball up a bunch of quarterbacks and I'm not sure if I take Tua in the top 10 of the quarterbacks drafted the last four years. I just think there's a lot to be desired there with Tua, but he's starting to trend upwards. To me, I think when we look at the Jets, I had higher expectations for Robert Sala, like you said. But with that being said, the there, there's not a lot there to work with. I think um, 
their safety. Is it Marcus May? I, I think yeah, he he's hurt. I think yeah, he's out for the season, I believe. So that's a big blow for the Jets. They're just not deep. The offensive line's not good, but then you pair it with, and this is what I go off of. You cannot fall in love with certain things at a court that you see from a quarterback. And I know this may ruffle some feathers here with some fans of football, but the tape doesn't lie. You know, what you see on tape is, is you know, quarterbacks like, you take a look at Trevor Lawrence. The tape was pretty good on Trevor Lawrence. There's a reason why he was the number one overall pick. The tape on Justin Fields was excellent for the most part. He had a couple of duds in there that we talked about, and his throwing motion got picked apart a little bit. And Mac Jones' tape might have been the best tape out of every college quarterback going into that draft class. Mm-hmm. Zach Wilson has a cannon for an arm. No one is ever going to deny that. But he played against weak competition. And he just, it, it wasn't a track record of like, man, this guy's really good over a course of the years. Like Justin Fields put up two really good years at Ohio state. Trevor Lawrence put up three ridiculously great years at Clemson. Um, Mac Jones had one outstanding year at Alabama, but you take a look at Alabama, like these quarterbacks only get one year because the next guy up is so good. Then he goes in the draft and then the next guy comes up. So with Alabama, it's kind of like next guy up at the quarterback position. So you kind of have to take your chances with it. But Mac Jones is good. Zach Wilson, you take a look at the tape, and you're just kind of like, that's a bad throw. Okay, that's a great throw. That's a bad throw. The college, the college throws that he made don't translate to the NFL because the speed in the NFL is so much faster than what he saw in college. To me, they put Zach Wilson in a position to fail, and this is an organizational failure. And people can cite Woody Johnson and the Johnson brothers. I don't care. Those guys don't matter at this point. As a general manager, your responsibility is to insulate a quarterback and build them up the right way. We ridiculed the Bears, Randy, for Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And we kind of see what Justin Fields is doing. Um, You know, I think Mac Jones was mature enough and smart enough and came from that Saban system where they were able to cut Cam Newton. It was kind of a benefit, luxury. Trevor Lawrence, we see what kind of mess he's going through in Jacksonville. I mean, there's a lot of just ugliness in Jacksonville. Zach Wilson was probably the guy in this draft outside of Trey Lance that probably should never have started day one, and they didn't even have a veteran backup. At least the Niners had Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm like, we can play Jimmy Garoppolo. We're fine. The Jets did Zach Wilson a disservice. Big time. Yeah. And, you know, Joe Douglas, this is what gets you fired. Robert Sala, I I think he's still an excellent coach. There's not a lot there. I don't know if Joe Douglas is the guy that you want to pair yourself up with. I mean, he's an ex-Bears guy, so I got a soft spot for Joe Douglas, and he comes highly recommended by a lot of people. A lot of people speak very highly of him. But you can't screw this up, and he screwed it up. And then you take a look at Sam Darnold. That whole situation was a mess. This is a track record for the Jets. And you wonder why your quarterbacks don't pan out is because you fail the quarterback position. You don't do it right. You hire idiot coaches like Adam Gase, and then you don't draft or you draft a quarterback again high and you don't insulate them with good talent and with a strong quarterback to help mentor them. To me, this is indicative. Dolphins are going to win. Better coached right now, better roster. Give me the Dolphins 31 to the Jets 13. 
Yeah, I think they're playing well. I think they're playing better, much better than the Jets are right now. Much more talented team, much better coach at the moment. Uh, I'm not giving up on Salah, but good God, the Jets uh, feel like a big mess right now. So I expect Wilson to be back, and I don't expect it to go very well right away. So give me the Dolphins. Uh, I'm going to say 27 to the Jets, 17. All right, moving on now uh, to the New Orleans Saints traveling to Philadelphia to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Saints coming off of that tough loss there, the close one to the Titans. Uh, and, you know, the Eagles uh, had a um, – how I can't I think what they did. They won. They, they beat the Broncos. Yeah. They, they beat them pretty handily, actually. Yes, they did. Um, there's a brutal week for my Giants on their bye week because every team in the NFC is won. Uh, but the Eagles winning 30-13 to 13 there, now 4-5, and five, also pretty relevant in the NFC playoff picture, those Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and the Saints, since the last time we spoke, Matt Bushnell, they lost uh, Jameis Winston at quarterback, and they are starting Trevor Simeon. Um, so that's a bit of a mess. Uh, and then Alvin Kamara is now hurt as well. So it's credit to Sean Payton that they're even competitive in these football games, to be honest with you. But And then Michael Thomas, all schedule. Uh, I don't know if you have a chance to look, but they get Trevor Simeon. They get Daniel Jones twice. They get Taylor Heineke twice. I believe they get um, – I, I don't know if it's Tyrod or Tua, one of them. They get another bad quarterback in there. The Eagles' schedule is pretty favorable. I know they get Dallas one more time. Obviously, that'll be a tough game, but they get a lot of wins here coming up. They, you know, the Eagles might back into that seven seed just based on strength of schedule alone, um, and I think they're good enough to beat the Saints in this spot. After everything that we've seen, I like the Eagles quite a bit. I think they got their quarterback, Randy, and is he going to be a top five quarterback in the NFL? Probably not. I mean. The highest um, level you could see him getting to, Jalen Hurts, that is, is Lamar Jackson, and I don't think he scratches that. Yeah, I I mean, Lamar Jackson's a special breed. Jalen Hurts is doing good things. I like Jalen Hurts. I liked him coming out of the draft. I thought he was going to be better than what a lot of people gave him credit for, and we're starting to see some of this quarterback play coming from Jalen Hurts, and I love it. I love seeing it. And we talk about teams heading in two different directions. The Eagles are going up, Saints are going down, and it's going to be hard. I think we're starting to see some of that cream rising to the top. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I like the Eagles in this spot, Randy. I, I, I like what I saw from Hurts the past few weeks. Um, God, I, I, I want to call their coach uh, Nick Sariani, but I know that's not his name. Sirianni. Sirianni. Uh, <laughs> so – I am going to take the Eagles on this one because I, I like what I see. I, the Saints, I think, are beat up. I It's just a lot to overcome. And with Trevor Simeon at your quarterback position, you're in trouble already. God bless Trevor Simeon. I, I think he's a warrior, a really good football player, but just not good enough to be a top tier or a top 30 NFL quarterback. He's just never going to be those guys. But he, he's a gamer. But give me the Eagles at home. Uh, let's go 32-24. So the Eagles have become one of the better running teams in the league uh, ever since Miles Sanders went down. It's been about maybe a month, six weeks without Miles Sanders. And they've done it with Kenneth Gainwell and Jordan Howard and, you know, a bunch of random guys, it seems. Um, Boston Scott. Um, and then obviously Hertz can get the job done with his legs as well. This week, Miles Sanders returns. 
I don't know how that affects the chemistry. I'm interested to see his workload if he just goes back to being the RB1 as usual and that kind of affects their offense here. I still think the Saints have a great defense. And I, I think they kind of got robbed in that Titans game. They had a, a pick, an interception in the end zone. And they called a, a brutal just <laughs> roughing the passer call on Ryan Tannehill uh, that negated it. I think the Saints could win this game. And uh, I, I think the Eagles are going to end up winning most of the rest of their cupcake games after this. But I think the Saints are good enough to win this game on the road. I don't know the status of Camaro, but I still think with Ingram running into the backfield, he's played well, that they could still win the uh, win this game. I th- I like the Saints close. Give me, give me the Saints. I'm taking them. I know I'm not supposed to, but give me the Saints 21 to the Eagles 20. And it'll be a really good competitive football game. All right. Moving on now to another team in the NFC East that pulled off an upset victory uh, in week 10, and is the Washington football team coming off of a 10-point win, the 29-19 over the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are welcoming in the Cam Newton-led Carolina Panthers. Matt, that is one other thing we have not gotten a chance to talk about yet. Since last time we spoke, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold benched and put on the injured reserve. P.J. Walker starting the, the Panthers, re-signing Cam Newton, and then Cam Newton getting a chance to play in his first snap, running in for a touchdown, rips off his helmet, screams, I'm back, and then also throws a touchdown to uh, Robbie Anderson on his next play. Uh, I would suspect that Cam Newton starts in this game in the Panthers reunion. Um, and this is also Cam Newton against his former coach, Ron Rivera. So storylines galore in this game. And the Washington football team is three and six. The Carolina Panthers, I believe, are 500. Um, so, yeah, five and five. Like, this is actually a sneaky big game in the NFC playoff picture. If the Panthers win, they are very much in the thick of it there for the wild card spot. And if Washington wins, they are four and six, also with not a difficult schedule moving forward. So this is actually a pretty big game for both of these teams. Matt, what do you make of it? I want to take a moment of silence for uh, Chase Young's knee. Mm. We lost your defensive player of the year. Yes. Um, And I think Washington – played about as well as they could play and Tampa Bay played about as worse as they could play last week. And God help your giants, because I do not want to be them. Uh, is that Monday night? Um, yeah. Yep. So that's going to be ugly on that Monday nighter, but to me, the Panthers, I, I love the energy and I love the togetherness of you could have Cam Newton, PJ Walker and CMC. I mean, this is just, lining up really nicely. I like Robbie Anderson, very low-key, good wide receiver. Um, The Panthers' defense playing inspired football, playing hard. This team is so much better without Sam Darnold, and if that's not indicative of how bad Sam Darnold is, I don't know what is. I mean, Sam Darnold was trash. I, I, I liked him when he was at USC. I thought, okay, there's potential here. He just needs to clean these things up. He never cleaned them up. Never, ever. It, it was like he was born stupid, and I hate to say that, Sam. I, I don't think you are stupid. You're a very well-spoken young man. But how you can't see these errors, I don't know. And playing quarterbacks hard, but you know, Panthers are a better football team. They're better right now than the Washington football team. I think the Panthers are good enough to win this game, and the Panthers are going to win this game, Randy. And I think with Cam playing quarterback, it opens up a whole new dimension to this football team. You can mix in P.J. Walker. CMC is going to be really nice. There's so many things you can do with this. So go ahead and give me the Panthers. Mark me down for a 28-10 to beatdown. Wow. 
Look, I, I think the uh, it was a really good win by the Panthers in Arizona, but I also want to keep in mind it was that without Kyler Murray uh, and it kind of banged up DeAndre Hopkins and they did knock out uh, Colt McCoy pretty early uh, out of that game. So uh, try to keep that in perspective. Now they are playing Taylor Heineke, who I think had one of the muddiest drives you'll see all season against the Bucks. If you go back in that fourth quarter drive, they are up, I believe, either seven or three. I think it's three. No, it's got to be seven. Um, if they punt the ball back to Tom Brady, uh, I have a feeling they're losing that game. Yeah. And third down after third down after third down, Heineke's able to keep moving the chains. And he had a pass to Terry McLaurin. I believe it was like third and seven inside the 20. He was able to hang on as he got hit and kind of sealed the deal there. Yeah. I, I I love Heineke in the aspect of he's kind of like <laughs> mini Fitzpatrick where he's like fearless. <laughs> he's like, well, he'll try anything. Uh, I don't think he's great by any means, but I do appreciate that aspect of him. He's going to try to run. He was going to try to make any throw he can. Uh, and I think that uh, that has value here. And I think yep. Rivera is so familiar with Cam that he knows how to stop him here. Like, I know Cam uh, isn't the same guy physically. He can't throw the ball the same way he used to be able to. He can't even really run the ball the same way he used to be able to either. He's not the same athlete. So I think if the Washington football team came in with the right defensive game plan with stacking the box, making Cam beat them outside of the numbers, um, they could win this game. And I think that, honestly, is what the Washington football team is going to do here. Um, I know it was a nice little moment for Cam and his reunion, but I think that's going to be spoiled here by Washington. Um, I think they win this game in a close one. Uh, I like them 28 to 24 over the Carolina Panthers at home. And I think they are going to be very much relevant. And I think, you know, it's not going to ruin the Panther season, but I just, I, I do think it hurts them because I, I honestly don't know if I trust Matt rule yet either. Yeah, that's fair. All fair. Yeah, so it's kind of where I'm at now. I mean, it's an interesting game. It really could go either way, and I'm excited to to see it. And, uh, you know, Heineke is truly an experience, I, I got to say. I, I can't <laughs> believe I'm, like, excited to watch him play again. But he really – anything could happen with him, and I feel like that's very Fitzpatrick of him in that aspect. All right, uh, now to your division, Matt Bushnell, and the NFC North. A big game, actually. Yeah. Uh, it is the Packers traveling to Minnesota to play the Vikings. The Vikings coming off a big win for them. They're 4-5 and five now after beating the Chargers 27-20 to 20 last week. And then the Packers shut out the Seahawks 17-0 in Russell Wilson's debut. So uh, in Aaron Rodgers' return, which we haven't got a chance to talk about that either, oh, uh, Aaron Rodgers missed uh, – two weeks ago because of a COVID-19 positive uh, diagnosis, excuse me. And uh, he, it was revealed that he was not vaccinated despite saying he was immunized. Um, and, you know, he hadn't been wearing his mask. He hasn't been, you know, going through all of the COVID-19 protocols in the NFL. Uh, and he's not going to get suspended. He hardly even got fined. So it looks like Aaron Rodgers uh, is untouchable when it comes to league standards. Uh, and wherever way you feel about it, regardless, uh, there are still rules in your employer, uh, whether you agree with them or not. And he clearly did not, uh, you know, coincide with those. So uh, the Packers, eight and two, uh, hosting those Vikings now at four and five. And the Vikings, really should be much better than the record says they are but 
Matt, we always say at the same time, your record does say uh, what you are. So the Vikings probably wondering what could be uh, if they could just put together some of those wins. But the Packers defense looks totally legit this year. Uh, They're going to be without Aaron Jones for a few weeks. They're starting now. That hurts. But A.J. Dillon has filled in nicely, I would would say. I don't know what you think about that situation. But the Packers defense, I think, is the real storyline here with them. They've never had a great shutdown defense. It's always either been middle of the pack or poor. And if you're someone who hates the Packers, much like yourself, it probably scares you a little bit for this year. Yeah, um, big injury news on the Packers. They lost Whitney Merciless for the rest of the year. This. So, so th- that, that is significant because he's played a very important role into that defense being as good as they are. Now, that defense is still good. You know, not one player is going to make it, break it, unless it's like a Khalil Mack or a Bosa. Um, but more on Joey Bosa when we get to the Chargers because that's going to be an important piece of news as well. To, to me, you know, it's just how, how healthy is Dalvin Cook and – you know, are they going to be able to utilize them the right way? I don't, I don't know. And I think part of the issue with me and why I don't believe in this Vikings football team is because they find ways to lose games. Good teams find ways to win games. The Vikings, I don't want to say they're a bad team. There's average, you know, it's just an average football team and, you know, they can sneak up and beat the Packers once every few years, uh, you know, more so than what I can say for the bears in recent memory. But to me, the Vikings are just, Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins is such a monumental gap. And I know people will stick up for Kirk Cousins saying he isn't that bad. You know, he's not that bad, but we know, I mean, he can't beat the good teams when you need Kirk Cousins to step up much like Matthew Stafford, he, he'll do a back break, back breaking turnover. And to me, I think the Vikings defense has gotten better, but I can't bet against the Packers here, whether it's AJ Dillon in the backfield or somebody else, you know, maybe they try out Le'Veon Bell. I heard Carrion Johnson was in for a tryout for the Packers um, today. So with Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard back, you know, I like Randall Cobb in this offense. It makes a lot of sense. They're hurting at tight end. That's the big missing piece for this Packers team. When Bobby Tunyon went down, that was a bigger blow than I think yeah. people give it credit for. But the Packers are still the Packers. The Vikings are still the Vikings. And there's a reason why the Packers keep on winning this damn division year after year after year. And the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions can't get out of their own damn way. Taking the Packers here, Randy. I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go 24-21 Packers. And I, I think it's a late field goal. I really do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be a good game. I, I, would almost go, I would almost say that this might be the game of the day on Sunday if it wasn't for a 225-er. Yeah, we have a game of the day that we're going to get to that I think is by far the game of the day. Could be the game of the year even. Yep. Um, but this is going to be a good one, I think. And <laughs> Emmanuel Davila in a comment saying Mercedes Lewis wasn't getting any love from Matt Bushnell. I feel like Mercedes Lewis has been in the NFL for since as long as I've been alive. The guy, I feel like the guy's been in, this has been around forever. Um, so I don't know. What? I, I, I do like Mercedes Lewis, but he's not the Mercedes Lewis of you know, putting together those big seasons. He's a veteran, but you could tell he's not where he used to be. And it's it's sad. I like Mercedes Lewis when he played with Jacksonville and even when he went to the Packers. I, I love the player. I just hate that he plays for the Packers, but he is not Bobby Tanyan. 
Yeah, I'll tell you I, who I do like. I, I like Devontae Adams, <laughs> and I and I like Aaron Rodgers. Those guys are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're good enough to win this game. And the, and the Packers' defense, despite losing Merciless, I still think is good enough to get the job done in this situation. Um, I do like Green Bay. I think it's going to be 30 to 28, and I do expect it to be a little bit more high scoring than you, but I still think uh, the Packers pull it out in the end. Okay, moving on. Now, we didn't already talked about the 49ers a bit at the top of the show. Yep. Uh, and they get a nice little gift on their schedule because they get to travel <laughs> to Jacksonville, you know, go to Florida, and, you know, they play the Jaguars. Like, all right, this is nice. Uh, <laughs> the Jags has been pretty competitive. You know, take away that one Seahawks game. They've actually had a decent stretch of, of football to the Jags standards, I should say. Um, but they're uh, the Jags coming off of that close loss there to the Colts which they did cover for me. So I appreciate them doing that. And I was 23 to 17 and then the Niners, I was obviously winning 31 to 10. The Jags are two and seven on the season and the Niners are four and five. So this would be a big win for the Niners to get to 500 and keep themselves relevant in the NFC playoff picture. Matt, is there any chance you are picking the Jags? Normally I, I, I try to look at the Monday night winner because usually a Monday night game just takes a lot out of, you know, it's, it's usually a tough battle, but the 49ers won so handedly against the Rams and made it look so easy. And then I see urban Meyer on the other sideline for Jacksonville, you know, James Robinson is a shell of what he could be. Uh, I, I still don't get this offense, Randy. Like I try to watch the film on it and it's just so aggravating what they're doing with Trevor Lawrence, you know, it just doesn't feel like an NFL offense and urban Meyer. I still feel he is way over his skis. A, a lot of the talk about him leaving or quitting or resigning has died down because he ratted out his good buddy, John Gruden. But to me, um, I'm taking the Niners in this game. I, I think the Niners with Debo Samuel, uh, you know, Mitchell is starting to find his groove a little bit. Jimmy G, they got Kittle back. Kittle scored a touchdown Monday night. To me, I, I like what the Niners are going. I think this is trending in the right direction. They're going to get a much-needed win. Give me the 49ers, 31 to Jacksonville's 10. All right. I, I do think Jacksonville's frisky. Uh, I, I would like to see more of Lawrence. But I think, honestly, it's kind of sad. But I think the offense they had is so catered around what Travis Etienne could have done for them. Yeah. And he was hurt. And obviously, uh, it's you should not cater your offense around like a, a utility running back like that. But here they are. So, um I need to see more out of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, obviously, we both thought the world of him coming into the season, and he has not yet delivered. But I, I do blame a ton of that on Urban Meyer. So uh, I like the Niners in this game. I think it'll be more low scoring, though. I expect both these defenses to, to keep it tight. So I like the Niners 20 to Jacksonville's 13. All right, we're going to end okay. the early slate of games, Matt Bush. You didn't think we were going to get through this whole show without talking about your Bears. Of course not. The Bears coming off of a bye week. Uh, after, um, God, I don't even remember the last game they played, Matt Bush. This is how long we were rusty. The Steelers. The Steelers game, of course, the Monday night football game against the Steelers that they should have won. And a stupid ref bumped into the Cassius Marsh, threw the flag, stuck the landing, of course, all that. Uh, <laughs> they traveled to Baltimore to play the Ravens, who obviously are coming off of that brutal loss uh, against the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, I would have said this wasn't a very winnable game at all for the Bears, but if you're going to lose to the Dolphins, <laughs> of course it's a winnable game. <laughs> you're going to let that sort of thing happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, the let's let's just look at that quick. So the Ravens six and three. What are the Bears? Uh, four, uh, three and three and six. Three and six. Yeah. 
All right. So I think the Bears need this one to kind of stay in the mix here uh, or it's going to start getting late early in Chicago. But nonetheless, the season's not about the record for the Bears. It's about the development of Justin Fields. So uh, regardless, I'm excited to watch him in, uh, in action here. Yeah. I mean, we could argue whether they're four and five or, you know, three and six. I don't think it matters. I mean, obviously, we know you watch with great interest because you're going to get that first round pick. And and I think actually that first round pick is going to be OK. I, you know, at first I thought kind of like 18 or, you know, 16 to 19 range. Now, now I actually think you're in play for a top 10 pick here. I think we'll be at the bottom of the top 10. Uh, but maybe between nine and 12, which is a good pick to get, you know, that's nothing shabby with a nine or, you know, nine or 12th overall pick somewhere in between there, but you're right. You know, you made the trade as the bears and we can argue whether they gave up too much or not enough or whatever, you know, that doesn't matter right now. The most important thing for Chicago is Justin Fields, the development. I think the 49ers game, we kind of saw the, you know, bubbling to the surface, like, man, this kid's got some potential. Um, that fourth and one run where he ran for 20 yards against the 49ers and scored a touchdown was probably the best Bears run I've seen in a long time. I know we could talk Mitch Trubisky against the Patriots in 2018, which was equally an impressive run that he also got in for a touchdown. But to me right now, what is the most feel good moment and it was kind of like a win-win for me and i'll explain this i'll explain the reason why when justin fields played the second half and you know Nagy talks about the look that he gave him and like it's go time let's go get this he made some of the most incredible throws i've ever seen a bears quarterback make and this whole season you know against the lions um i saw him throw a pass to darnell mooney and Allen robinson that were just unreal you know passes we've never seen a bears quarterback make and then we saw, you know, the Monday night game, which was important because it was on the big stage. Everyone kind of saw like, oh, man, if Aaron Rodgers leaves this division next year, Randy, I don't know how Justin Fields is not the best quarterback in this division. I I, I take him over Kirk Cousins right away. I yeah. take him. I don't even think about Jared Goff. Just like, yeah, crumple him up and throw him away. And then Jordan Love, we saw him against that Chiefs defense. And, you know, how we feel about the Chiefs defense. We talk about it quite often. I was just not that good. Jordan Love did not look good for, you know, a second-year guy. Granted, it was his first start, but, you know, you kind of hope for a little more. But Justin Fields against the Steelers really kind of popped. It was like, okay, this is the dude. The next important move for the Bears is to fire Matt Nagy. I, I, I don't care if they keep Ryan Pace. I think Ryan Pace is a good enough argument to make where, like, he's hit on some guys. You know, David Montgomery's a good running back. Got him in the third round. Um, you know, Eddie Goldman, second-round pick. Eddie Jackson, Tariq Cohen. You know, Darnell Mooney in the fifth round. Khalil Herbert, who we don't talk about. Sixth-round running back. To your point, I know you have to love that. Like, mm-hmm. drafted a running back in the sixth round, and you got him. And you take a look at other players of that ilk and you're like, Ryan Pace has done a good enough job. And the reason why losing to the Steelers was kind of a win-win because it really puts the bears on the outside of the playoff picture. It's really hard to find, you know, five more wins to get to eight and nine. And then you start talking about getting the six wins to get to like nine and seven. Mm -hmm. That's damn near impossible with what's left on their schedule. 
to me, this put the nail in the coffin for Nagy. They're not beating the Ravens this week, even though they may get Mac back and Eddie Jackson may come back, which is a boost. This Ravens team is going to come out pissed off because they lost a game they should have won. Mm-hmm. And they and, and they had the mini buy with that Thursday night game. I, I think it's going to be close-ish. I think we're going to see, see more special plays from Justin Fields. And I'm going to go a high-scoring game here, Randy, which is uh-huh. which I typically do not do with the Bears. Very rarely do I say Bears games get to a high-scoring range. But go ahead and give me the Ravens 34 to the Bears 28. Wow. I did not think you were going to go high-scoring there. Um, I'm probably not going to go high-scoring. But uh, our friend Emmanuel Davila in the comments saying no pace has to go. So he wants both of them out in Chicago. So um, I'm sure a lot of Bears fans feel that way. I'm sure a lot of Bears fans feel the way you do as well, because talent acquisition and coaching obviously uh, are different. They do go hand in hand, obviously, that they work well together. But um, if you have talent that's not coached up well, it's kind of easier to find a solution in that aspect. So um I think pace, especially if fields turns out well, will probably keep his job. Um, I don't know if this will be um, a high scoring game. I think it'll be a mid level scoring game. I I always kind of, 20s is always my crutch. I always kind of (laughs) keep it in the 20s. Um, So I I like the Ravens here in a close one. I'm going to say 26 to 23 uh, over Chicago. Maybe Justin Tucker hits a long one at the end to to seal Nagy's fate. All right. We got late games to talk about before we say goodbye. We got one game in particular I'm very excited about, but let's talk about the the ones I'm less excited about first. Um, The Bengals going to Vegas to play the Raiders. Um, We talked about the Raiders already. Uh, they sort of feel like they're in a free-for-all and the Bengals have had big wins. They've had cool moments. They've also had brutal losses. Um, They're coming off of a bye week, but they also lost to the Jets recently and they also lost to the Browns. So the Bengals, uh, if if I was a betting man, which I do play pick them, so I kind of am a betting man, I'm going to go Bengals in this game off of a bye week. I don't like the spot the Raiders are in mentally as an organization. Uh, After everything they've been through, it's hard to go through all of that at one time. Uh, As much as I, I respect Derek Carr and think the world of Derek Carr, I just think it's too much for him to overcome and I think the Bengals are an up-and-coming team and I think Joe Burrow's got the swagger along with the talent around him to get the job done in here we'd be looking at a six and four Bengals team at that point uh both of these teams are five and four coming into this one I'm going to make a really a couple of quick points here I'm going to give you the score here I'm going to predict two Jamar Chase touchdowns over 50 yards and I'm going to predict the Bengals to win this game 35 to the Raiders 20. I, I just, the ba- the Bengals are ready. Joe Burrow's back, baby. The, I just feel like this has got to be a must win. Like the Chiefs got right. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase are going to get right. Bengals win big 35 to 20. 35 to 20. I like that score. I also think they win big. Um, I don't need to really talk much more about it. I just think the Bengals are going to win. I'm going to go 30 to 17 over nice. uh, the Vegas. Do we have a Jamar Chase long touchdown in that score, Randy? Of course. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'll give him two 50 yarders, but I'll give him one long one and maybe a short one, maybe maybe a five yarder, maybe okay. a five yard fade or something. You know, but I, good... I, like as a Tyler Boyd fantasy owner, I need <laughs> some Tyler Boyd love in there. So I I, I just I'm hoping for some more Tyler uh, Tyler Boyd targets in this one. Uh, all right, we're going to move on. 
now to the Arizona Cardinals, and I need your expertise on this one because I I hope Kyler Murray comes back because the Cardinals are much more fun to watch <laughs> when Kyler Murray <laughs> plays quarterback. Cole McCoy's been around a long time. He's a career backup. Good for him. He made a nice career for himself. He's hurt, uh, too. But, huh? He's hurt, too. And he's hurt, too. But we need Kyler Murray back. And the Cardinals are 8-2 and two now after their loss to the Panthers and the Seahawks. Uh, they finally get Russell Wilson back. But for the first time in his career, he got shut out against the Green Bay Packers. Um, this is also a divisional game. And, you know, these games between these two teams are always weird. I feel like every time the Cardinals and the Seahawks play, it's just madness. So what's the status on Kyler Murray? And what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I listen to Corey Decker quite a bit, who's you know one of our great admins in football life and a great contributor there, really helps us out tremendously. And he's always got his ear to the ground with the Cardinals. He's been saying that Kyler's not playing. You know, he thinks Kyler's going to get this week off and then get the buy off following this game, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Rams lost, so they own the tiebreaker over the Rams right now. Um, they still control their own destiny. The Seahawks are really out of the picture here. Like the Seahawks are going to have to put some stuff together here. I don't, I I just, I don't think Murray plays and I can understand why you should be able to beat the Seahawks because Russell Wilson looked awful. I mean, it, it was a lot of bad and you could tell he rushed back and, you know, they tried to make it work because Geno Smith isn't beating anybody. You know, we saw that coming from a mile away. Um, them, the Seahawks not getting Cam Newton when they could have is the biggest indictment. I just, I, I don't get that. They didn't get OBJ, which I don't think hurts them. Their, their wide receiver group is loaded anyway. He would have hated it there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't think it would have been a good fit. So to me, I think the Cardinals win this game without Murray. Um, Seattle's a tough place to play. But the weird thing about this matchup is that the Cardinals win in Seattle and the Seattle Seahawks win in Arizona. It's really weird. I think it was the first time in like four or five years. And we got Corey in the comments. Um, I think last year was the first time Arizona beat Seattle in Arizona in like five years. Really weird stuff, man. Um, So home field is kind of weird between these two, but I like the Cardinals here. Give me the Cardinals in a defensive struggle. Uh, Let's go 17 to 14 Arizona. So is this and and Corey? You know, he's watching us now. Thankfully, he can clear this up. Is Chris Strevler Strevler starting this game now? Is that what that means if Cole McCoy's out and Kyler Murray's out? Oh man, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm not picking the team with that guy as their starting quarterback. I I don't know anything about the guy. He could be amazing. I don't know. Um, but look, I, the the Seahawks are three and six. And you you could not definitely argue that Ross came back too soon. And I don't know if you ever watch um, any ESPN fantasy shows or listen to any of those. Stefania Bell is like a, a health analyst. She examines all these injuries and gives yeah. you a, a realistic breakdown for when they can come back. She had some great visuals on the, the screw that was put in Russell Wilson's fingers and how like how that finger affects how he throws the ball and how, you know, how it needs time to kind of settle in. And she did a great job of like really putting the doubt of like how well Russell Wilson is going to play with like the sooner he came back and honestly for the rest of the season and how it could affect him for the rest of his career, to be honest with you. Um, I know that everyone's like, oh, Russ rehab for 19 hours a day and all that trope nonsense. Uh, I know he's just unlimited, but um, 
So they they've been so Corey says they've been big about Colton Kyler and if Shriveler starts, Cardinals lose by 14. He's really bad. So look, uh, <laughs> if they decide to go the route where Kyler doesn't play uh, and McCoy's out and this guy starts, I'm picking the Seahawks. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna. I I still trust a Russell Wilson with a banged up hand more than I trust that guy. Um, even if Colt McCoy starts. Um, I, I have my doubts. So uh, the more and more I talk about this situation, unless Kyler Murray plays, I like I like the Seahawks. I, um, I, I I'm going to tell you one thing, Randy. I've yeah. seen the Chicago Bears win football games, but Jonathan Quinn, Chad Hutchinson, and quarterbacks <laughs> a hell of a lot worse than Strebler. And I'm telling you right now, the Cardinals Mike can, Lisley. <laughs> yeah, the Cardinals can string together some defensive touchdowns and special team touchdowns. I don't give a damn who's playing quarterback for the Cardinals. They're going to win this damn game because I believe in them. All right. Well, I like if Kyler Murray's fully healthy, I, I believe in the Arizona Cardinals. That's for sure. Without Kyler Murray, I have my doubts. So I'm going to go here. Uh, the Seahawks 19 to 17. Um, and this is obviously with the contingent that Kyler Murray is not playing. I mean, and Corey goes, Josh Rosen and Brett Hundley both beat the Seahawks in Seattle. So point taken. You're right. I mean, maybe I, I shouldn't care at all about that. Uh, <laughs> maybe that whole thing is uh, defensive point. touchdowns, baby. They count too. They sure do. And we always get excited about those. So, all right, we'll see what happens in that one. Corey, thanks for the quarterback update in Arizona. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, all right. To the last late game before the prime time. And this one, Matt is the one of the weekend. This is, this is the game dreams are made of. And if the Chiefs are truly back, then this is going to be fantastic. I wish this was next week on Thanksgiving because this would just be the best Thanksgiving game we've had in forever. It is the Cowboys traveling to Kansas City to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs. I love this matchup. I'm so excited. The Chiefs now uh, at six and four after that uh, beatdown they had of the Raiders and the Cowboys uh, after they had a brutal game against the Broncos, bounced back with a dominating performance over the Falcons. They are seven and two. Matt, I got to tell you, this this feels like almost like that that Rams Chiefs game on Monday Night Football from a couple of years ago to me, where you have two teams that you know were really good that could both be there in the end. And you just want to see, it's like, oh, could this be a Super Bowl preview? I mean, for my own sake, I hope it's not because I don't want to settle with the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. But as an objective football fan, the Cowboys are incredibly fun to watch, especially when Dak's healthy. And the Chiefs, if they truly are right, right in the ship, Chiefs, this game is going to be the game of the year. What do you think? I, I, I love this game. I absolutely unequivocally love every aspect of this because you got offense versus offense, but quietly the Chiefs defense has played really, really well. And the Cowboys defense has played really, really well. I love watching Diggs play defense, man. He is so fun to watch. Um I, I'm trying to think of a basketball comparison, like almost like a Zach Levine guy. He's going to take a lot of chances. He'll get his points, but he's going to take a lot of chances. Um, to, to me, the funny thing about this is that the Chiefs actually had to sign their practice squad quarterback to the active roster. So the Cardinals couldn't sign them. I saw so, that. Yeah, a little gamemanship there. And Corey Shelly, Decker, whatever it is. Yeah, and Corey Decker posted that in Football Life if you guys want to see the whole layout of what exactly happened there. But to me, I, I just love this game. To, to me, I think it's going to be intriguing. It's going to have a lot of ups and downs. I don't think it's going to be high scoring as that Chiefs and uh, 
Rams game was because that game was just crazy. I, I, I hated it because the absence of defense, but I understand why a lot of people loved it. To me, the Cowboys have the best wide receiving core in the NFL. To me, the Chiefs have one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. That's going to be a problem. And Randy, we could say it together. I can say it by myself. However you want to say it. But how about them boys? Yes. All right. Cowboys, baby. I, I, I'm i not a huge Cowboys fan. <laughs> I like this team. I like the fans. They're, they're a hoot. They're a lot of fun. Give me the Cowboys in this one, Randy. I, I think Dak Prescott is going to put his name in the hat for MVP with this win. Give me the Cowboys 34 to the Chiefs 30. I just think the Cowboys are a bad matchup for the Chiefs. They play physical. They run the ball really well, and yeah. they don't have a weakness on offense. Yeah. So the Chiefs' defense might have played well against Vegas, and they might have played well against the Giants, but and they might have played well against Jordan Love. But the, this is a different beast than those three teams that you're gonna, uh, that you've just played. Um, I, I I agree with you, honestly. Um, I think the Zeke Pollard attack alongside of the Cooper Lamb, and now you have uh, you have Michael Gallup back too. Like the Cowboys offensively are clicking and they don't have a weakness. They really do not. Like they no. could hit you in every aspect. Like they still don't have Demarcus Lawrence back. Randy Gregory, the loss of Randy Gregory, I expect it to be a bigger one, but they didn't look like they missed much of a beat. Uh, Michael Parsons and Trayvon Diggs are leading the way on defense and I hate it, but the Cowboys are fun to watch and it drives me nuts. Um, and I do like them in this game and I expect it to be a shootout. What was your score, Matt? 34 to 30. 34-30. Uh, I, I like that score. I really do think this both of these teams are going to be in the 30s here. Um, I like Dallas 37 to the Chiefs 35 uh, and one that comes really down to the end here. Maybe a deflection from Pat Mahomes lands into the arms of Mr. Diggs uh, at the very end. So talk about drama. The best reality show on TV is the National Football League. Um, all right. Primetime games. Um Steelers, Sunday Night Football, traveling to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. The Steelers uh, coming off of that tie against the Detroit Lions. Uh, I don't know the status of Ben Roethlisberger in this game, but tell you, it doesn't make me feel too much better about it if he's not because T.J. Watt also banged up. He might miss this game as well. Uh, they're going to the Chargers, and the Chargers, I'm kind of disappointed because uh, they got beat by the Vikings. I expected more from them. Herbert has played okay, but he still turns the ball over a little too much for my liking. Um, but this is a big game for the AFC playoff picture here. Uh, let me just triple check. The Steelers are now 5-3-1, and one, and the Chargers are 5-4. and four. So, hey, both of these teams are in the hunt wild card-wise, and the, honestly, both of them are in the hunt for their own divisions because neither team, no team in their divisions are pulling away. So um, big, big playoff implications here on this Sunday Night Football matchup. Yeah, so um, according to Mike Florio, Joey Bosa is unvaccinated, and oh, boy. He looks like he was a close contact, so we might not see Joey Bosa for 10 days. Great. So Joey Bosa will be out for the Chargers, more most likely. And there's another guy out there. Okay. Tillman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to be missing those two guys. And and that is a big loss. And we talk about uh, Big Ben should be back for the Steelers. I don't see why he would be out. Um Joey Bosa being out hurts a lot. 
like maybe if TJ Watt doesn't play, it negates it a little bit. I th- this is why I hate predicting games on Tuesdays, Randy, because it is so damn hard. Because if you know, it, it I, I think Bose is going to be out. You know, if he if he has a close contact and he's unvaccinated, I don't know how they let him play. Um, so he didn't test positive. He was just a close contact. I'm not sure if he tested yet. Um, because if he doesn't test positive, there's a chance he could still play. I think. Exactly. You know, um, according to Mike Florio, Joey Bosa is unvaccinated, might be on COVID-19 list as close contact. So if he's on the COVID-19 list as a close contact, he cannot play. Gotcha. So um, with that being said, I I, I really need to know the status of TJ Watt here. Like that's the biggest impact to me here because that could really affect with Justin Herbert getting happy feet in the pocket and trying to force the ball. And, and that's what I feel like what I've been seeing from Justin Herbert. It's not that he's, you know, he's regressed. It's just, I feel like he's trying to do too much when he, earlier on in the year. And even last year, he was just trying to keep it simple. You know, Oh, there's Keenan Allen. Let me hit Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, there's Mike Williams or, you know, I'm not sure if it's Mike Williams anymore, but l- l- let me hit my guys. Um, and, and now it's just kind of like, he's trying to force the issue when he doesn't have to. I, man, this is in Los Angeles. I'm going to take the Steelers and I hate it. I, I, I hate this, Randy. Because I hate it for you too. Yeah. I, because the base of Rudolph's playing for the Steelers in this game, I don't care. Uh, the Chargers are going to win because I watched the Lions run for over 200 yards on the Steelers defense with TJ Watt. Yeah. I saw the Bears move the ball up and down all over that Steelers defense in Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football, and they had help from the refs to win that game. I like the Chargers much more in this spot than I do the Steelers. You know what? With that being said, yeah, give me the Chargers. You convinced me. <laughs> when in doubt, go Chargers, go. <laughs> when in doubt, take the best quarterback on the field. I'm going to take yeah. the Chargers, 21 to the Steelers, 20. Look, you can't beat the Lions at home. I, I'm not going to trust you too much. You know, I know you didn't lose either, but you didn't beat them. Uh, and you know, I know Big Ben probably wins that game, but the status of him is still up in the air. So, give me the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to come out angry. I think they are mad um, at the moment. I hope they're mad. I'd be mad if I was them. Um, so, I, yeah, I like the Chargers. Uh, give me them 27 to 20 uh, over the Steelers. Like it. All right, Monday Night Football. That brings us. To my team, the New York football, three and six Giants uh, traveling to Tampa Bay to play a familiar foe in Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the Bucks are coming off of two straight losses, uh, sandwiched with their bye week. Um, one to the Saints, one to the Washington football team. And the Giants are coming off of their bye, but they had a win over the Vegas Raiders the week prior to that. Um, so look, uh, the Giants fan out there is pretty optimistic. Um, I am not like most Giants fans, I would say. Uh, I think the Giants could be healthy in this game for the first time in a while. I'm talking Galladay, Tony, Barkley, all hopefully in the lineup, maybe Thomas back in the lineup as well. That would be nice. That would probably bode well for their chances in this game. But if I know anything about Tom Brady, if I know anything about this Bucks team, is they're going to come out. They're going to get Chris Godwin back. It looks like Gronk will be back. They're going to be very angry. They're going to take that anger out on the Giants offensive line, on Daniel Jones, and on the rest of the Giants team. I like the Bucs here. It wouldn't surprise me if it was by 10-plus. 
I just want to take a moment of silence for what's going to happen to your New York Giants on Monday <laughs> Night Football. Um, it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, I, uh, man, the the one saving grace might be Richard Sherman's going to miss a couple of weeks with a calf strain, so they're not going to have Richard Sherman. Vita Vea might be out as well, so that that'll be big. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of bode well, but man. I, I'm hearing Gronk might be back for the Buccaneers. Um, you know, um, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. I, I I don't know, Randy. I think this is going to be an ass whooping of epic proportions, and it's all because of the Washington Football Team. They just had to beat the Bucks last week, didn't they? Yep. And now you get a pissed off Tom Brady, and, and let's face it, I. I, I don't know what the Giants are. I don't think the Giants know what they are. And the Bucks are just in a different class. And the Bucks are my NFC Super Bowl representative, I believe. Um, I have Tom Brady winning the MVP. I'm not going to back away from that. Give me the Bucks 37 to the Giants 13. Oof. That would hurt after the bye week, especially. Um, look, I, I mean, the Giants were supposed to get killed by the Chiefs. On Monday night a couple of weeks ago, that didn't happen. They only lost by three. That was a very winnable game that, you know, of course, the Giants do what the Giants do best, and they lose. Um, it's one shocking if this game is still, you know, competitive at halftime, but if the Bucks pull away in the second half, I uh, expect the Giants to have injuries because they always seem to have injuries. Um, I, I watched what Brady said. I don't know if you caught his – presser or whatever you want to call that after the game um but he was very angry very short uh short answer he continued to just say things uh in one or two word answers and then he just kept saying i don't like losing and then you know he left after 45 seconds so to me he sees red um and he's going to just take that out on the giants color rush uniforms which they are wearing again and i don't believe the giants have won a single game in their color rush uniforms <laughs> oh, since they started doing those back in 2016 so i love the color rush uniforms but i do not think the giants have had very much luck in those i don't know if it'll be 37 to 13 necessarily but i do think it'll be bucks you know 30 to 20 it'll be like a maybe the giants have a backdoor cover i don't know if we know what the spread is but um if it's more than 10 i think the giants could cover that okay um and then hopefully dave gettleman gets fired and we never have to worry about it uh okay we've talked for a while now matt it's good to talk to you once again um it's been too long and now hopefully we get into a groove for the rest of the season um but hey you know it's football season it's midway through the football season but we have other shows on our our life group umbrella uh why don't you tell us about tell us about some of the other ones going on Absolutely. So Dong City is going to be back tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern with Vince Mercadetti, Henry Maldonado Jr. They're going to talk about some of the baseball stuff going on. Um, interesting stuff that I'm seeing out there, Randy, is that Trevor Story was supposed to be traded, but the Rockies didn't want to trade him because of the All-Star break. They wanted a hometown player on that squad. Um, going to be interesting to see about that and about where Corey Seager goes. So mm-hmm. those guys are going to have all the baseball news. Um, you know, December 1st is going to be a big day. They'll tell you why. Then on Thursday, we have the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast with Jason Brooks and Corey Richmond. 
I don't know what's going on with the wrestling world. I kind of unplugged um, for the past two weeks. And, you know, I, I'm kind of like that outside person when it comes <laughs> to wrestling anyway. Like I just hear people talk about it and I'm like, oh, well, that sounds interesting, but I don't really pay, pay too much attention to it. But those guys do a really good job. I love listening to their stuff. Um, Friday, we have the step back in basketball life with Leon Tompkins and Jacob Anthony Moses. Big Bulls, 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 the Chicago Bulls, baby. They mm-hmm. pulled off the L.A. sweep. They beat the Clippers, <laughs> and then they demolished the Lakers. Um, really fun to watch. I, I know Jacob and Leon have a lot to talk about when it comes to Golden State being the best team in basketball right now at 11-2, and two, and that team looks fucking stacked. And they don't even have Clay Thompson back yet. Yeah, so. th- that team, <laughs> they're going to be good. They may win another two or three championships, and we may be talking Steph Curry, Goat versus Michael Jordan, Goat, which – would be silly. Jordan's the goat, but those guys do a great job. Yeah. Hey, you better <laughs> knock that off. And um, but no, th- th- those guys do a really good job. Love their stuff. I think they are really good at what they do. Love Leon and Jacob. Really good basketball stuff. Um, of course, Jacob's a Knicks fan, so um, they're back being relevant too, which is good for basketball. Um, and and then we go to. You know, I, I don't know, and I'm going to apologize to Felipe and Sean. I don't even, I, I haven't seen Sean on a podcast in a couple of weeks, so I don't know if he's still doing it. I, I think they went yesterday, or Felipe went yesterday, basically. Yeah, yeah solo, I, I saw. So um, I, I don't know if Felipe's going every Monday night. Um, you know, I try to catch it, but like, guys, you know, these podcasts are great. We all know you have lives. Tune in when you can. You know, the yeah. audio platform is great on Apple or Spotify or, you know, however you want to consume the audio versions, I strongly recommend it. They're great. They're even on YouTube too. So you can view them mm-hmm. on YouTube if you like to catch some YouTube videos. But the, those are our shows. Felipe will be on like Sundays or Mondays, depending on who he can get. I've seen him on with Austin Sparrow. So mm-hmm. it's all good stuff. And then, of course, we come back Tuesday. Um, maybe we'll be celebrating a Giants and Bears victory on Tuesday, Randy. <laughs> I have a feeling it'll be the opposite, but it's uh, Thanksgiving week next week. So it'll be a big week of previews for us. Yes. Bears Lions Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be, uh, nothing says Thanksgiving tradition quite like watching the Lions lose it. So <laughs> right. uh, I love that every year for us. Um, you know, Matt, I'm thinking that you should have made that uh, Bulls Lakers bet now, now that we're, uh, you know, a month or so into the season. Ah, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I still believe in the Lakers. I, I'm not going to give up on the Lakers. Oh, I'm not giving up. I just think they're old and they're going to do this time management thing with LeBron all year. So um, their win total might not be as much as it, should, as it could be. So well, we did scoring, right? Oh, yeah. Or did we agree to that? I don't know if I agreed to that because I wasn't sure of the numbers. Uh, you know what? All right. Let, let's go ahead. Let, let's do a friendly wager with basketball. You know, Lakers versus Bulls. Um, I don't think wins is a fair thing because I do think the Bulls will probably end up with more wins than the Lakers. Um, hmm, God, I, I hate doing per because LeBron always lacks up the per and so does um, Russell Westbrook. Um, well, let's consult with our basketball guys and come up with a fair bet. And we'll, re- we'll revisit this at the end of the show next week. I love it. Great idea. Yeah. Let's, let's do that instead of, cause I'm not throwing out. We're not, we don't want to make this a lopsided thing. Without us. There was no one we're really talking about. So <laughs> agreed. 
All right. All right. So, uh, well, we appreciate everyone who hung out with us a little bit here on the Facebook live stream. Thank you for bearing with us. I know it's been a long three weeks without us. Uh, we've had our own personal issues. So, um, you know, I know you guys do too. So uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Like Matt said earlier, check us out on YouTube, all of the audio only platforms, uh, wherever you consume your, your podcasts, we greatly appreciate it. you making us a part of them. So Matt, do you have any parting words for the audience? Go Bears. <laughs> Simple enough. I love it. All right. On behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond saying see you guys next week. Be safe.